We just talked about suffering for sin. Peter began his first epistle by telling us that we're the elect of God. We, we rehearsed this or reviewed this last week to get us to the point lest we forget it and begins to tell us how to live with God, how to live with each other, how to live in society. Last week, we finished up the text on slaves be obedient, subject to your masters, and being buffeted for Christ's sake and suffering for Christ's sake. Because as we found in chapter 1, of what we preach and what we believe and the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should come unto us here today in the church. And we closed out talking about the sufferings of Christ and how He suffered and opened not His mouth, how He came to this world to suffer, bleed, and die, that we who had gone astray as sheep gone astray would now are now returned to the shepherd of our souls and the bishop of our souls. And I, when I began chapter 3, I got tickled in my mind because the Holy Spirit through Peter has been talking about suffering. And how does it begin? Likewise, comparing it to the suffering of a slave, you wives being subjection to your husband. And that hit me uh, quite funny because I guess it can be a very suffering thing. But as the text truly goes, it's talking about being in submission. Yeah. Now you hear me out. I do not expect and will not have any woman, wife, to submit herself to anyone who abuses her or hurts her or is a danger to her. I've seen enough of that in my lifetime. What is being given us is what God created and how we are to prosper in this world as a society. We talked about this and how for a couple of weeks since we left the meeting down at Oak Grove a month ago, and I always make the statement, the buck stops with us, brethren, because God made covenant with Adam and not with Eve. Eve was deceived and Adam rebelled against God. Let's look for just briefly before moving into this, the institution of marriage. It was the first institution that God created. It was created on day six. God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. Could, could stay right there for a day or two, but we're going to move on to the text. Same day six. Because on the seventh day God rested, therefore creation was complete. Same day six. God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. He took the rib of the man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. She was his help meet. She was to help him in life for the purpose of God that man, male and female, created together to be one. There's the unity of marriage. 
would subdue the earth to bring forth fruit unto God and to serve and worship God in this world. Now we know all that changed because of Adam, but the point of the original institution of marriage, the woman was made from the man, and I've read this somewhere many times, she was not made from his foot to be walked on, but from his ribs to be loved, close to the heart. I've said this, I'm going to say it now, before I get into this, because I'm going to be telling you what the Bible says about how we should prosper and live giving glory to God. I do not expect a child to obey a parent when the parent is telling them to go do evil things to people or to sell their own self. I am not going to tell any woman to stay in a relationship where somebody is abusing them and beating on them and a danger to them. This is teach that's all a result of sin and it's all our fault. Society is caving because we have not obeyed and kept things in the original intent and tradition that God made them. There's not a greater gift that God gave to man than the wife He created. They are equal together. That changed to some degree after Adam rebelled, after Eve was beguiled. God said, Thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. They were created Equal, okay? And they're created in the family institution. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's not mother, daughter, and spiritus. That's not being politically incorrect. That's not being sexist. That's being facts of what God is, how God manifests Himself, and how and why God created the things He did. Now, with all that said, let's go to the text. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. You listen to what a God-fearing woman to her worth. She's worth more than rubies. You look at the 31st chapter of Proverbs, the virtuous woman, and bear this in mind, brethren, who is to be praised by her husband. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. What does that mean? Well, the, I've seen this. It does not mean, honey, go down the street to 59th Street and 1st Avenue North and stand in front of Mickey D's and sell yourself. That's not what it means. That is not a command to be obeyed. Just as we talked about government and parents and children, you're not to obey sinful orders. You're not to obey sins. You're not to do things evil. But you're in subjection to your husband being the wife, and the wife was made from the man. There's nobody in this world a man is to love more than his wife. And if a man, we'll get to that later on the text, if a man loves his wife in the way that God commands us and formed us to do, the wife will very gladly reverence her husband or be in subjection to him being the head of the house. I think it's Paul in one of the letters to Timothy makes a statement. 
that the man is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of man, and God is the head of Christ. The wife, the man was made first for Christ, the woman was made second for the man, that they would be together in equal position in the family, but each has a different role. The man is the husband. He's a provider, the protector to love and take care of. The wife is the love in the family. She holds it together. She loves children. She nurses children. It's the greatest gift God gave to man other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Be in subjection to your own husband that if any obey not the Word, here's a man who obeys not the Gospel, they also may, without the Word, be won by the conversation of the wise. Well, let's rightly divide the Word of truth. The spiritual man, the, non, he, the natural man is spiritually discerned. He cannot receive the things of God. So, a man that is going to be won by the conversation of his wife, first and foremost must be born of the Spirit. Christ has already quickened him. But he's in a state in this world of evil under the influence of Satan, the deception of Satan, where the Gospel Word means absolutely nothing to him. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to know about it. Maybe it's against his thought and his way of living, so it angers him to have to sit and listen to it. But you watch how the Spirit of God works. And this alone is proof that God does not need the Gospel to save souls. God is a God of means. The Gospel does not give life. It brings life and immortality to light. It teaches you of the finished work of Christ. But by the chaste, conversation while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. While this man who has no regard for the Gospel, no regard for the church, I have seen this in my life. I have seen this in those that I knew. But because God blessed this daughter of Abraham, because God revealed Himself to her, because God touched her, and she had a love and a fearful reverence of God, and walked in the scriptural way because of the grace of God in her heart and the graces of God in her life. And yes, I said grace says, meaning more than one. It takes grace to be born. It takes grace to walk through the world. It takes grace to drive to church and back home on Sunday morning without the grace of God would be consumed. It takes grace to preach. It takes grace to hear. And this man, to whom the Word of God means absolutely nothing, is the Lord uses this virtuous woman, this daughter of Abraham, this child of God, and by the way she lives and the way she talks and her quiet and humble spirit, God will use that. And this born-again man who has no need of the gospel of the church in seeing how she lives giving glory to God, being a good, 
godly wife and a good godly mother and a good godly sister in the church. They'll be changed. They'll be one, as verse 1 says. One over. Well, we didn't win anything. The Christ won it. But they're won over through the power of God in this beloved woman as she lives a God-fearing life for her husband. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plaiting the hair, of wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. Now he is saying nothing against plaiting your hair. He's saying nothing against wearing gold. He's saying nothing against wearing appropriate or pretty apparel. I know from my whole childhood, a woman was scorned if she wore red to church. I never could figure that out. I like red. It's a pretty color. That's a silly tradition of silly old men. Forgive me, but that's what it was. God is not talking to us about what a woman wears. Jewelry, pretty hair, or pretty clothes. And if she wears it in the way we're about to see, then it's going to be worn appropriately. Not to draw attention to herself, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man. God made man, God made woman. Both are man, mankind, okay? The hidden man of the heart. Why is it hidden? Because it is a new creature. You cannot see it. The wind blow it where it listeth. Thou canst not tell from whence it comes or where it goes. You look out there and you see one goldenrod in the field moving while the two acres around it do not move at all. The Spirit of God moves where it moves. The new man, the new creature, you cannot see it, but it's a change of the heart that God gives. This is speaking of a wife, a sister, a beloved woman in the family and in the church. And the church is to be emphasized, okay? Because she's serving God. And we, no matter who we are, cannot properly serve God without being at church. I don't care who you are sitting in a tree stand, sitting on the river, sitting at home reading the Bible, thinking you're at church. That's not church. The church is the assembly of the saints and that is where a child of God who is born of the Spirit should be on the Lord's day. And we've all strayed from that from time to time and I certainly have. And it's the mercy and grace of God that brings us back. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Back to chapter 1, verse 4. We have an inheritance Inheritance uncorrupt, incorruptible and undefiled. It can't be corrupted. It cannot be defiled. You're born of the Spirit of God. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. A meek and quiet spirit. When I flip on a TV 
And I see the way society lives. And I'm not just talking about women here. I'm talking about men and women. The way they carry on, the way they act, the things they accept, the things they believe, brash, impudent, vain teachings. And I'm so thankful to look in the church and see brethren and sisters, but this text is dealing with the women, so I'm going to stay with the wives, who love and fear God and their quiet, humble spirit. I am thankful because I full well realize without the grace of God, and without the hand of God and the blood of Christ, our wives and ourselves would be just as the wicked in the world. I thank God for the meek, humble sisters in the church, those we've taken away. We don't have a right to love anybody more than we love our wife, not even our children, okay? Again, the buck stops here, brethren. This is all our fault because we've all allowed this to change. You want restoration or restitution. You want things to be better. Then we return to biblical teaching. If we're not under the sound of the Gospel, we're not going to know biblical teaching. That's what's wrong with the world. I've said this before, and you can go back and study it. Since the time the Baptist church was split in the 1800s, this nation has gone headlong toward hell. Because the truth is hidden. Satan has taken a Baptist church, and there are more flavors of it now than there are ornaments on a Christmas tree. This woman is not talking about her clothing, it's talking about the ornaments of a meek and quiet spirit, a godly woman. Again, Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman, which is in the sight of God of great price. When we strive to obey God and do the things of God, even though we're sinners, even though, even though as long as we live in this body and breathe air, we are sin, our very existence is sin, but when by the grace of God we take up our cross and we strive to obey and live the way that the Bible teaches us to live, God blesses us. This is... In the sight of God, a great price. We have an inheritance. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, he talks about Sarah, adorned themselves in meekness, quiet spirit, humility. That does not mean she was beat down. That was not mean she was ruled over. It was not mean she was reigned over. If you read the Old Testament beginning in Genesis 12 and you see Abram and Sarai or you see Abraham and Sarah, you're going to see a couple that lived together and loved each other and did all things they did together as one because the twain shall be one flesh. 
The holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. There's the role of the husband. There's a role of a father. There's a role of a son. There's a role of a daughter. There's a role of a wife. We even see the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is what God created. And if it's going to prosper in this world, it has to be in the way that God created. And it cannot be that way without the grace of God. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, how did Sarah obey Abraham? God spoke to Abraham. God revealed Himself to him. Get thee in the land, to a land that I will show thee. And Abraham, and I'll give it to thee from the inheritance. And Abraham went. And Sarah went. She obeyed Abraham. We're going to Canaan. The Lord has sent us there. She obeyed Him in that sense. That's not saying He dictated to her everything she had to do. That's not biblical. That's not proper. But she... I'll use the word from Ephesians. Wives reverence your husband. She reverences him as a head of the house where God placed him in the family. You want to think about what's wrong with many of the people that live in the inner cities and the ghettos today? There's no man in the house. There's no daddy, no father in the house. Again, that's on us, brethren. She followed Him where the Lord sent Him. She obeyed Him calling Him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now listen, there is a stipulation here. As long as you do well. When you find a stipulation regarding salvation and the Scripture, if there is a stipulation, it is speaking of temporal salvation. Because your eternal salvation is bought in the blood of Christ. This world is so far carried away. Destruction of family. Destruction of the institutions of God. It has absolutely no effect on what's in heaven and immortal glory. Everyone the Father gave the Son will be there in glory and see Him as He is. But here in this world, look around and understand the effect it's had on us. Lord have mercy. The verse always comes to my mind in Isaiah, can a mother forget her sucking child? And yet we murder a million a year in the womb. They had child sacrifice in the Old Testament. God said He did not command it and neither did it enter into His mind. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, 
calling Him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. The wife is described as the weaker vessel. Give due benevolence unto the weaker vessel. 1 Corinthians 7. Weaker physically? Yes, most. Uh, most. Our genetics are so changed and corrupted by sin in this day and age because we devolve every year. We don't evolve. That we have women that are as strong as men and men that are as feminine as women doesn't mean they're not God's children. But sin has changed everything and Satan tries to change every institution and every creation of God. Every creature of God. And it's taken its effect. Likewise, your husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. There's the knowledge of a marital relationship. There's the knowledge of family relationship. There's the knowledge of church relationship, sister. But the relationship being spoken of here, if you'll give me five minutes, I'll close. That's what i got left. Is the knowledge of being heirs together with the wife who has proven to be by her chaste conversation a child of God, a daughter of Abraham, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ by magnifying Him and her body and her husband and her family deeply prospers in it. And I'll say it again, I would not tell any woman to stay in an abusive relationship. I've seen that too many times. It amounts to nothing except finally in the end, a lot of times death. And God did not put you here to be murdered by some evil person. Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wives and unto the weaker vessel. And I'll say this too. Giving honor unto the wives. Do we honor our wives? Steve and I spent two summers down here working on his church. And 90% of what we talked about was our wives. We love our wives. God has blessed us. That's a man or to honor his wife the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he thinks. As under the weaker vessel, I'm going to tell you, there's some strong women in the world. I remember a nurse one time, we were up there with her before her surgery for her aneurysm. The nurse said, you're a strong woman. I said, she's been living with me 40 years. She's had to be. Giving honor unto the wife is under the weaker vessel. I have known some strong women my grandmothers both were strong women. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together in Christ. Our inheritance 
in heaven and glory, this godly woman, this chaste conversation, giving evidence that we're heirs together. She has moved this man by her conversation, by her godly walk, and won him over even without the preaching of the Gospel. You ever heard that saying, I hate what I used to love and I love what I used to hate? God changes you that your prayers be not hindered. What does He say? That we love our wives, that we care for our wives, that we take care of each other. The husband loves the wife, provides for her, loves nothing in this world more than her, honors her, gives her everything that she needs in life and protects her and honors her. Don't let that get away. And honors her. And she is living in a quiet and meek spirit as a daughter of God, that our prayers be not hindered. I mentioned this, I believe, last week. Sometimes, and I did last Saturday night, you lay down to pray, and about midnight you start trying to pray, and some evil thought comes in your mind, some temptation, some anger, whatever. You have to stop praying and pray, Lord, help me to pray. And I'll say that when we're talking about this, that your prayers be not hindered. And we've all lived life. We've all been married quite a while, most of us at one point or another. And being two people together, we're from time to time going to have a problem. It is very difficult to pray to the Lord in heaven when we have anger in our heart. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. When a man and woman love and forgive and live a godly life in the way that the Lord created. Our prayers are not hindered. We pray for each other. We pray for our children. We pray for the church. We pray for what we pray for. People pray differently for different things. I pray for the same thing every night. They've got certain things I love and certain things I care about and certain people and I pray the same thing every single night. God knows what I'm going to pray tonight. Because I prayed it last night. But that's what I care about. My point with this, as Peter is telling us, as the elect of God sanctified by the Holy Spirit, how we, and he's primarily talking to Jews, are to live in this world and prosper in the inheritance that we have in Christ. And I'm going to close this because I'm one minute over, but I was reading. One Jewish writer Speaking of how we're supposed to love our wives, said if you have a short wife, then you must you need to bend over to talk to her and communicate to her. And I thought about that. He gave me a dirty look, but it was funny to me that you care so much for your wife that when you speak to her and you love her, you bend over where she can hear you. That's a simple thing. It goes back to plain living, I guess. 